Welcome to the Indian mom. She's my mom. <laughs> That was my sweet son, Landon, welcoming you to the show today. I am your host, his mom, Kendra Green, and you are listening to episode number five. This is the place where motherhood and the Enneagram collide. In today's episode, we are moving on to part three of What's Your Stance, and we'll be talking about what it means to be in the compliance stance. My sister, Cassie, is in this stance, and she has been waiting patiently, or not so patiently, for this episode. So Cassie, this is for you. My hope for this short and sweet episode is that it would be fun, informative, and encouraging. If you have been waiting patiently, or not so patiently, for this part in this series, listen in. If you have listened to even one of my episodes, you know that I record these on Fridays and Friday around here is Fun Friday. And it's also Fun Friday today because Jared and I are getting to go out of town for the night and there's nothing more fun than getting to sleep in a bed without one of your children climbing into bed with you. So happy Fun Friday, guys, if you are listening to this on Friday. And if you're not, just know that there's a Friday coming very shortly. But let me tell you about last night. At the time of this recording, last night was Thursday, which was almost Friday. And it's the day where you're like, okay, everyone, let's hold it together for one more day. We got this. Well, on Thursdays, my husband, Jared, has run through with the worship team at church. And the angel of a person that lives with us and also helps out on nights like this with the kids, she's on the worship team and just happened to be scheduled last night as well. So here I am parenting four children, mostly assertive kids, and one very emotional child. (laughs) And as it's been a challenging week for multiple different reasons, this mama was tired. And I drank all the pink drink and active from Plexus that I could, and I was still so tired. (laughs) Thankfully, we had an Instapot dinner, so that was easy. We didn't have to make lunches because, hello, fun Friday. But like one domino after the other, things began to fall apart. Landon at one point brought in a giant bucket of water into the house with a frog in it. Um, He then decided to go swimming after I told him it was too cold and I wasn't even out there. The oldest girls were arguing because one was doing piano lessons and the other needed to do math homework and was super stressed about it, which I think I put that on my Instagram stories if you want to go watch how funny it is. And then one child had a full-on meltdown over her math homework and had to go take a break in her room like a three-year-old. It was not fun. The night ended well, mostly. Uh, Landon didn't go to sleep until super late. I let him lay in my bed until Jared got home, and I let him take over that. (laughs) But on the plus side, I got all my laundry done. So really happy I don't have to do that this weekend. But I say all that to say that while no parent really ever wants to admit to wanting to change their children, I wish I could have at least one child in the stance that we are talking about today, the compliance stance. I didn't get one, not a single compliant child, (laughs) because these are the children who are most likely to recognize authority and feel a need to follow rules and guidelines. Not mine. Mine want to go against to get with their needs met. 
Well, people in this compliant stance, um, also known as the dutiful stance, they go towards people to get their needs met. Remember, the questions we are answering every day is what are my needs and how am I going to get my needs met? We may not ever consciously think those things, but subconsciously, that's what's happening. And the, the how part, the how are we getting our needs met, that is the question where our stances come from. How we answer that question is what our stances are. So if you are in the compliant stance, you're going towards people. If you're in the assertive stance, you're going against people. And if you're in the withdrawn stance, you're pulling away from people to get your needs met. Okay, let's jump in and begin to get a better understanding of what it means to be in the compliance stance. I want to read this quote for you from Jody Pico, and it says, Anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. And I just wanted to read that because um, those in this stance are very people-oriented, and if you're not careful, you can let anxiety kind of creep in and uh, as you slip into kind of the lower levels of health. So um, just be careful Um, how much you're letting other people's expectations of you control your daily life. So those in this stance are ones, twos, and sixes. These three types share a need to be of service to other people. So these are usually people that are advocates, crusaders, public servants, and committed workers. All three of these types respond to difficulty and stress by consulting with their consciences to find out what is the right thing to do. They ask themselves, How can I meet the demands of what others expect of me? How can I be a responsible person? And it's important to understand that those in the compliance stance are not necessarily compliant to other people. They are, however, compliant to the demands of their own consciences. So they understand what the rules are, and then they can form that to their own inner rules, right? So they have a sense of self-government, And they adapt to external rules by um, making them into their own rules. So these three types try to obey internalized rules, principles, and dictates that they have learned. These three types try to obey the internalized rules and principles that they have learned from childhood. As a result, they often become authority figures themselves, especially sixes and ones. Twos can also sometimes be authority figures, although more often um, they get that role by being the good parent or a trusted advisor or that close friend that you feel like you can tell everything to. When a person whose type is in the compliant group, they enter a room and their automatic sense of self is that of being better than others, although that would probably never be expressed out loud um, and each of them think about it in a different way. Uh, So ones come into the room and subconsciously think, this is so sloppy and it's disorganized, and if I were in charge, things would not be such a mess. Twos enter a room and subconsciously think, these poor people, I wish I had time to give everyone my attention. They look troubled. They need my help. By approaching others from the position of the loving person who gives their concern and service to others, twos automatically put themselves in the superior role of being better than others. Sixes are more troubled by inferiority feelings than ones or twos, but they get a sense of better than through their affiliations and social identifications. So they want to be a part of a group. So they would think things like, well, I'm a Republican and we are better than Democrats, or 
I live in Bryan, and that's way better than College Station, or nobody's better than Texas A&M. So those are kind of the different ways that each of those types um, show their feeling of being better than. Although, again, they would never express that and probably would feel bad about admitting that. If you have a child in this stance, you probably have noticed how much you can affect them by what you say that they do good or bad. So um, these are the children that are probably a lot more sensitive to your criticism and you probably don't need to criticize them quite as harshly as you would other children. And I say criticize, but I really mean correct um, because they're very hard on themselves. Um, The ones, twos, and sixes are because they're people-oriented and you are their authority figure as the parent, they are going to be very um, cautious about what you say they should and shouldn't do. And what you're putting in their minds now, they are soaking it up like sponges, and they will most likely carry those principles through their entire lives. Um, I, I know of some people that are ones as an adult, and because um, their parents were so hard on them as children, they have turned into... Um, adults that are also very critical now of themselves. And so just know that your children are listening to everything that you say to them and they're listening to everything that you say about them. So um, just know that this is a child that's going to be wanting to know from you what you expect of them and how exactly you want them to go about accomplishing those expectations. Okay, I know you're asking, what does it look like to be a parent in the compliance stance? Well, I'm going to get there, okay? So we're going to start with the type one, known as the moralizer parent. So your positives, let's start with the positives, right? We always need to do that. Positives are you have a moral compass and you tend to trust your instincts. You have an analytic ability. You are detail-oriented. You are honorable. You um, are prone to continual self-improvement. And you can help others see their errors, okay? You always strive for excellence. So those are your positives. How about some challenges that we need to address? You can tend to focus on what's wrong. You can have one-track thinking. It's either right or wrong. You can be inflexible, rigid, and tend to be a little self-righteous. Moral superiority can mask your real emotion, Um, You can live with your harsh inner critic and listen to it too much um, and base your performance off of that. You can be burdened by self-criticism about not meeting internal standards of perfection. Okay, so how about some tips to move forward? Trust your intuitive responses. You can be a moral compass for your family. Okay, next one is practice letting go. A mistake is simply what it is. It's a mistake. Practice being imperfect. Deliberately make mistakes in front of your children. That will be fun for all of you, and your kids will know it's okay to make mistakes. Um, Another one is don't get stuck in the details. Try to be less rigid in the way you handle them. Sometimes your attention to details is overkill. Remember, 100% is enough. And then be aware that you can come across as self-righteous or morally superior. Curb your judgment and criticism of yourself and of others, especially with your children. State your criticism gently, repeating that it's constructive feedback and that you love them unconditionally. Last one, and this one is so important. Learn to give yourself permission to take time off. Have fun. Life is short. Your life is not a rehearsal, 
but this is the real deal. Build in body work or exercise to release tension that accumulates, especially in your neck and your shoulders. So practical, right? So that's for the type one, the moralizer parent. Now we are moving on to the type six, known as the questioner parent. So the positives for you, questioner parent, is that you are loyal. You know how to stick with the agenda. You are responsible and you have an ability to endure. You um, know how to protect the underdog. You are logical, you are rational, you are clear thinking, you are a natural troubleshooter, and you can also be skeptical, which is not always a negative thing. Sometimes we need someone to see what's, you know, what's lurking in the distance and what could go wrong. <laughs> Some challenges you may want to work on are that um, your fear can be paralyzing and can be very undermining. You struggle with authority issues at times. You can doubt yourself and others, and you might say things like, yes, but, so no buts. You can be self-sabotaging. You might fear that um, your success can bring hostility. You are defensive and afraid to own, afraid of your own and others' angers. anger. <laughs> Uh, you can procrastinate and track records of incompletes. You might have little faith in others and the world, and that's a little drastic, but if you're really stressed out, that might be your reality. Okay, so let's give you some parenting steps, some next steps of moving forward. Try to get in touch with your body and your emotions. An exercise program and interpersonal interests are important to balance your mental world. Try to be more spontaneous with your emotions. Show others your love, your appreciation, and your gratitude. Okay. Next, find a process to overcome procrastination. Ask your family for help in structuring your short-term tasks and goals as a way to short-circuit your procrastination. Be aware of times when your thinking paralyzes your ability to move into action. Don't shoulder too much responsibility and overcommit. Build boundaries around your inclination to jump in and protect the underdog. As far as it's reasonable to do so, let your children sort out their own battles. Don't intervene unless absolutely necessary or unless you're called on to do so. And that's hard. That's hard to do. Another one is being a parent, you are perceived as an authority figure by your children. Find a consistent way to model this role. If you tend to come across as confrontational, when all you're doing is voicing doubts, modify the way you interact with your children. Be aware that you give undue authority to others and feel weakened as a result. And then last one, fear is a key motivational factor in your parenting. You're not afraid of your children. You are afraid for your children of anything and everything. Be aware that you may, pro you may be projecting your fears and emotions onto your children. Get reality checks. Ask your family and close friends in helping you sort out real dangers from imagined threats. Okay, helpful, helpful, helpful. Moving on to the type one. Oh, we already did that. Moving on to the type two, the helper parent. Positives for the helper parent. And I feel like um, this is the parent I want to be, <laughs> but... I know I'm not because I feel like I'm too selfish to be this helper parent. When my children ask for things, I either do it begrudgingly or, or I tell them, uh, you have two feet, you can get up and do it yourself, right? 
But I am so grateful for the helper parents in my life because they teach me how to be more selfless. So the positives for the helper parent are they give invaluable support. They um, support authority figures. They are caregivers. They are very capable of real connection. They um, are an emotional buoy. They are empathetic. They are nurturers. And they facilitate potential in others. So good. The challenges they need to overcome are being proud or too proud of being needed. They have a constant need for approval. They can be selective about whom they want to help. They can play it safe too much and not take risks. They can assume many selves and be manipulative. They are also flatterers if they're not careful. They can become resentful and angry if they feel like their freedom is being taken from them. Okay, so some tips for you as a helper parent. Be aware that some members of your family may be put off by the emotionality and neediness of your behavior. Pay more attention to rationality and logic in dealing with your family. Remember, you are biased towards the relational, while their personalities probably have other biases. Another one is... Know that you make a positive difference in the people's li- in people's lives, and that is important to you. Potentiate them equally. Don't give more to those who will make you look good. Okay, another one. Inquire into the nature of your giving. Is it true or false altruism? So are you giving just to give, or are you giving to get? Learn to accept that your family's love and approval is for yourself, not for how you've helped them. So they love you just for you, not what you can do. Another one is use your gift of giving judiciously. Try to give only when your help is asked for. Find out from your family if your help is needed. And that's usually in the case whenever you feel like your help is um, not wanted. Okay? Practice telling your family what you need. Articulate your needs and desires and say, I need help with this. And then last one. Build boundaries so as to stay within yourself and do not give that self away. Continually refocus on your own needs and feelings. I hope the information you have learned today has been helpful. Remember, the whole point of us learning more about ourselves is so we can find out who God wants us to be, so we can become a more full and free version of ourselves, a better version of ourselves. I feel like a lot of us are just longing for better, whatever sense that comes in for ourselves. And so as you go about your week and about your day, just remember that we are trying to fulfill our own potential and not anybody else's. Before we conclude our time here together today, I want to read a scripture to you and then a short prayer from Every Moment Holy. And the liturgy today is called Moment of Frustration at a child, because I don't care what stance you are, we all get frustrated with our kids. So the scripture is Ecclesiastes 7, 9. It says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Well, I don't want to be no fool, so I need the Lord to help me with my kids every day. And the prayer is, let me not react in this moment, O Lord, in the blindness of my own emotion. Rather, give me a fellow sinner Wisdom to respond with a grace that would shepherd my child's heart towards your mercies, so equipping them for the hard labors of their own pilgrimage. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining me today on The Enya Mom. It's always an honor and a privilege to share this space with you. If you ever have any questions or comments, um, you can find me on social media as Kendra Green. And I would just love it if you could share this episode with a friend or someone that you feel like could benefit from it. Um, But I hope to see you next week on The Enya Mom.